I'm Amber Triska, and this is About IBD. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 106. Kids that are diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease need specialized care. In the last episode, which was 105, we heard from Brooke, a pediatric patient who was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at the age of one and a half. She went through difficult times with her IBD, but now at the age of 13, she's on the right treatment plan for her and she is thriving. My guest this episode is one of Brooke's physicians, Dr. Jeffrey Hyams. Dr. Hyams is the head of the Division of Digestive Diseases, Hepatology, and Nutrition at Connecticut Children's and a professor of pediatrics at the University of Connecticut School of Medicine. He is the recipient of a number of awards for his dedication to his patients, including the Humanitarian of the Year from the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation's Connecticut Westchester chapter in 2021. He provides a historical perspective on the treatment of IBD and is able to highlight how therapies have advanced over the last 30 years. He also tells me what's on the horizon for IBD treatments and what gives him hope for the future. Dr. Hyams, I wonder if you would tell me how the care for pediatric patients with IBD has evolved over the course of your career. I started to take care of pediatric patients with IBD in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, And it was a time in which the medications that we had that we used to treat these disorders was extraordinarily limited. Um, one anti-inflammatory uh, medication called sulfasalazine, prednisone or steroids, and surgery. And it was the age in which we were starting to introduce nutritional therapy. Children often required surgery. We dealt with growth failure a lot because of the effects of chronic inflammation as well as poor nutrition. And it was difficult, and kids were often hospitalized for long, long periods of time. Um, We never thought of anything other than making people feel better because we had no way to actually heal the intestine. Things started to change a bit in the late 80s and 90s, uh, it was a time when we started to use more potent medicines called immunomodulators. Uh, and clearly people improved. We used less in the way of steroids. But what was also clear was we were not changing the natural history of these disorders, which really meant that people tended to be chronically ill. That changed dramatically in 1998 with the advent of the era of what are called biologics. Um, And these are medicines that are essentially antibodies, which are directed against key components of the inflammation process itself. So much more targeted therapy. And the first medicine was something called Remicade or Infliximab, And that was followed a number of years later by Umira, Adalimumab, and then there are a whole bunch of other ones following that. But we finally had therapies that really held a promise not only of being more successful, but we could actually demonstrate that the bowel itself was healing. And if the bowel healed, you didn't develop complications, You, for the most part, did not need surgery. You were not in the hospital. 
And if you were a child, you would grow. Uh, and that's where we are now. Uh, it's better. It's not where we need to be. Unfortunately, these medicines don't work for everyone. And even in those for whom they do work, over time, we start to see a lessening of effect. So it's an evolution for sure, but we need more agents and more approaches than we have now. This is a pretty big question, but I'm wondering how the care for your pediatric patients might differ in the way that adult patients are treated. Like what are some of the key ways that, uh, or some of the key things that pediatric patients need care for that maybe adult patients don't need? It's a whole different world. Uh, and, And what I can tell you is it's a rare pediatric patient of ours who graduates to the adult world who does not want to come running back to the pediatric world. So as a general rule, these are children. Now, the the most common age that we see diagnosis of IBD in kids is in the preteen and early teen years, 12, 13, 14. As you can imagine, that is a very difficult time for children. Forget having IBD. It's middle school years. People understand what that means. And we also have a, very, a lot of very young children, two, three, four, five. We have to worry about the effects of the disease as well as the therapies on growth. We have to worry about these disorders and their therapies on psychosocial development. We have to work on these therapies and try to mitigate the influence of disease so children can grow up, become secure and confident young adults. So unfortunately, when you have an illness or illnesses like these that occur during childhood or early adolescence, you can quickly see the incredible impact of these disorders. Body image is another one to think of people who lose a tremendous amount of weight or people who have cosmetic changes because of some of the therapies. It's a very challenging time. Every kid that we take care of, we become part of their family. And the message that I give to families, literally from the moment I'm sitting down with them at the time of diagnosis is, I hope you get to like me because we're going to be spending a lot of time together, at least to start. And I'm going to get to know you well. You're going to get to know me well. I'm going to celebrate graduations and sport events along with you because my job is to minimize the impact of disease on your child's life. I talk to children starting at a very young age. I talk to them. Yes, their parents are in the room, but I'm talking to my patient. Um, I'm looking them in the eye and I'm trying to explain things in a language that they understand. So it's rewarding, it's challenging, it's fun. There's nothing else that I'd rather do. You said that pediatric patients often want to come back to pediatric care when they're transitioned to adult care. And I had to laugh a little bit because I've heard that more than once from patients, actually, who've gone through that transition. But it is a big thing that does need to take place. So about what age do you start transitioning your pediatric patients and what might that look like? 
So I do think it's different uh, for different kids and different families who have different needs, different wishes. And it's changed a bit because we now take care of our patients into their early to even mid-20s. That's a huge change. It used to be when I first started to practice, really 18 was the demarcation people would move on. But for many reasons, um, psychosocial reasons, societal reasons, insurance reasons, we'll now take care of people into their mid-20s. There are some patients and families who are ready for a sort of transition of who's going to be in charge of the medicines, who's going to be in charge of making appointments. They're ready in their mid-teens, and others, regretfully, who are not ready until their early 20s. But I have to say, and it gets back to my comments a moment ago, I'm pretty much looking at the kid. I'm pretty much looking at my patient talking to the families for sure, but my world and the child's world, the patient's world, is our interaction. We certainly encourage taking responsibility. The biggest one is take your medicines. Um, Medicines do not work if they are not taken. And it's one of the greatest reasons for therapeutic failures that we see. And that's something we need to watch very carefully. I would say, uh, getting back in a long-winded way, by mid to late teens, we are transferring ownership more and more to the kids, uh, to our patients, but it really varies from family to family. Yeah, I know that adherence is a really big problem. But other than adherence, what would you like the kids who live with IBD or their parents to know about the disease or about the transition from pediatric care to adult care? Well, the most important thing I want them to know is that although these are serious disorders, my job, and for all pediatric IBD doctors, is to work with them to, and I said this a moment ago, mitigate the effects on their lives. The overwhelming majority of people we take care of are never hospitalized. They don't have surgery they're able to participate in age-appropriate activities. So we encourage normal lives. We encourage people who want to go to college a little bit further away. I tell them, if it's your dream to go there, we'll work with you to get there within the confines, obviously, about what your family is able to do, uh, what their resources are to be able to meet some of these other things. But, I, but again, and my approach may be different than others, I really individualize it. But I, but I ask them to take ownership. Taking ownership means understanding their bodies, being truthful about reporting how they feel. Kids tend to minimize their symptoms. Parents tend to catastrophize the symptoms. Sometimes the truth is somewhere in the middle, and that's part of my job to be able to figure out where is truth. Thank you so much for that answer. That bears out with my experience as the mother of an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old. <laughs> um, I definitely try not to do the catastrophizing. What gives you hope about the future for patients who live with IBD? You've seen such a sea change during the course of your career. What do you think is next? Yeah, so I have great hope. Um, and the reason I have great hope 
is that there are a lot of really, really smart people who are invested in making things change even more. Um, I have been extraordinarily fortunate for the last 15 or 20 years to work with a group of amazing physicians and researchers in collaborative, multi-site investigations, largely supported by either the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation or for the last 10 years, the NIH. So research is slow, but it gets you there eventually. And if it weren't for research, we wouldn't have biologics. Um, The next sort of age is going to be the age of what are called small molecules, as we are discovering more and more about the pathways which lead to inflammation and trying to achieve the whole concept of personalized or precision medicine. You really want targeted therapy. And the more targeted it is, A, the more effective it's going to be, and B, the less in the way of side effects. So we're getting there. I, you know, I have to say, there are many days where I wish I were 20 or 30 years younger, not just so my knees didn't hurt so much, but because, wow, what an exciting time we're in. And, and as you get older and more experienced, there's no question, listen, you bring a lot of experience and I hope you bring wisdom as well. And you know how to not only ask questions, but you know how to answer them as well. But this is not a one-person game. This is about a lot of really smart people working together. And I will tell you, in pediatrics, as a general rule, we work really well together. Connecticut Children's has an amazing infusion center where patients can come and receive their infusions if they have IBD or another condition that needs to be treated in that way. What does it mean to have this infusion center available for your pediatric patients? place is so beautiful. I, I will tell you, we had a little, two little dinky rooms in the hospital. We outgrew them like immediately. And um And Jim Schmerling, who's the CEO, gets a lot of credit because he let me bend his ear from the moment he came here five or six years ago, and we were able to get that place built. And uh, it's a godsend. And I don't know what we would have done with the pandemic because at least in the infusion center, we're spread out. Uh, Before, it used to be literally knee to knee I mean, patient chairs were right next to each other. I mean, truly next to each other. And that infusion center, we have not missed a beat since March of 2020. Um, We literally have not missed a beat. So it is an amazing testament to the institution for building it. And the nurses there are so smart, so talented, so committed. I consider myself the luckiest guy in the world for, quite frankly, the people that I work with. Just an amazing group. I know that you talked to Brooke. She's a delightful. I mean, I've taken care of her since she was, I don't know, five or six or whatever. And we, we went through some low times. We, we were much better times these days. And she is 
an absolute beneficiary of biologic therapy. Um, you know, 30 years ago, she would not have done as well as she's doing right now, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and again, one of the things that we think about, you know, the next generation, not just of IBD doctors, obviously the next generation of IBD patients. What are we going to have that's going to be different to offer them? And I'm confident we will have more things to offer them. Oh, thank you so much for making the time to talk to me. I'm really glad to meet you. Yeah, eventually we'll get to see each other, not just hear each other. Well, yeah, hopefully. No, I appreciate what you're doing. Good luck. Be safe. Take care. Hey, super listener. Thanks to Dr. Hyams for his commitment to his patients and to his research, which will benefit all kids who live with an IBD. Extra special thanks again to friend of the pod, Dr. Brad Gerson, for connecting me with Dr. Hyams and for being my unofficial content manager. Links to more information about the topics we discussed is in the show notes and on my episode 106 page on aboutibd.com. If you are a family that's touched by IBD, I'm inviting you to connect with IBD Moms which is a nonprofit I co-founded with Brooke Abbott of the Crazy Creole Mommy Chronicles. IBD Moms is a space for moms and moms-to-be who live with an IBD and moms of kids who live with IBD to find help and support. You can find us as IBD Moms across all social media. You can also follow me, Amber Tresca, across all social media as About IBD. Thanks for listening, and remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Malintel Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresco. Mix and sound design is by Matt Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio.